uh, today in both services is a great day to be here. Today we are honoring, trying to honor our graduates, eighth grade and above. And so we just want to thank them for uh, and just honor them, let them know they're appreciated for all the hard work that they have put in. And so we've got uh, a gift here. We have um, uh, every graduate uh, today in both services gets a copy of this book. It's called My Utmost for His Highest. If you've never heard of this book, I would highly recommend it. It's a daily devotional. gives you something, one thing really quick to read every single day. And this is honestly a classic uh, in Christianity. It's been around for uh, a long, long, long time. I read it, and it's an unbelievable uh, book. Really did a lot in my life. God used it when I first read it. And so we're giving all of our graduates this uh, today. All right? And in this service, we only have one graduate. Um, and it is Kylie Jett. Kylie, come on up here. She's hiding her face. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm the only one. Kylie, you're in here. Come on up. Give it up for Kylie as she comes today. So Kylie comes, graduating eighth grade from East Perry Elementary. Kylie, there you go. Kylie, it says a lot. Listen, all the other graduates didn't have the discipline to get up early. You do. You are going places. All right? This is the one you want to watch, folks, right here. All right? So, hey, Kylie, stay up here real quick. We're going to pray for you, okay? God, I just pray for Kylie. God, I thank you for her. And God, I thank you that, Jesus, you have been with her. And on in the future, you'll be with her as well. And so, God, I pray that you would open up every door that you have for her. And the whole time, she would look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give it up for Kylie one more time. Awesome. So I'm going to run up here. We do. Where? Did I miss one? Where? Where? Chloe. Well, we didn't get you signed up. Come up here, Chloe. Come up here, Chloe. Here we go. Yeah, Chloe, now we're going to embarrass you. All right. So, so here we go. Here we go. I'm going to give you one of these. See, we have extra gifts just in case this happens. See, look at this. We've done this before. So, Chloe, uh, help me out. So you graduated from... Hazard High School, right? Look at there. See, look at there. There's another graduate. Are there any other graduates that are going to wait and tell me you graduated? You graduated last year. So, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, there we go. Well, here you go. I'm going to give you Mama's first. Chloe, now we're going to pray for you, all right? Let's just do this the whole service, all right? So if you graduated, your chance is coming up as soon as I say amen, all right? I'm pray for you. God, I just pray for Chloe. And God, I just thank you for her. I thank you, Jesus, that as she graduates from Hazard High School, God, that, that Father, you have a future for her. God, I love in your word you say that, God, you have, you have plans not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And God, that she would know that deep in her heart, God, deep in her soul. And Jesus, that every step of the way, Father, she would experience your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give it up for her one more time. Awesome. Now, uh, hey, I want to mention something to you here really quick that Dana said on the video. Um, something that's happened here in, in our church the past couple of weeks is um, the past, I think the past month, we've had a lot of people take their connection card and this card right here that we give everybody a chance to fill out at the end of service. Uh, we've had dozens and dozens of people the past couple of weeks take this card at the end of service and check this box that says right over here, I want help growing in my relationship with Jesus. Literally, dozens and dozens of people have checked this over the past three or four weeks. And so today at five, I am leading something we're calling formation. All right, it's the first time we've ever done this, and it's going to be right here uh, in the building, right here at five o'clock today. If that's you, if you check this or if you didn't, 
Uh, but you're thinking, hey, that sounds like me. I want to know how to have a growing relationship with God. I, w- I want to know how to build that. Um, or if you have been following Jesus for a long time and you just need some kind of refresher in your faith, I want to invite you today at 5. I'm going to be hosting it. All right, it lasts one hour, okay? So it's just one hour long, so you will be out at 6 o'clock. All right, starts at 5, ends at 6. We'll be right on time with that today. But I want to invite, you don't have to sign up for anything. You just show up, all right? But it's tonight at 5. I'll be hosting that. I'd love for you guys to come if you can, all right? So just show up to that if you uh, can. Also, you can take the Summit app and sign up for the Serve Day that she talked about. I'll give you some more info about that in just a moment. Today we're kicking off a brand new series uh, called Why, and I'll tell you where to turn here in just a moment. Um, I remember when I was a senior in high school, I was not a Christian, and I had a really good friend who was, who was killed in a car accident. And um, the, the day that the accident happened, she passed away several days after the accident, but the day that the accident happened, they took her to Hazard Hospital. Uh, I was there along with several of her friends. I was not a Christian. She was a Christian, and I remember thinking, this is not fair. Several years after that, uh, I, got, I gave my life to Jesus as a result of that event when I was a senior in high school. Several years, uh, several years after that, I was on staff at a church uh, just outside of Louisville, and uh, been there. I was their youth pastor. Uh, Cassidy was just born. Cassidy, when she was born, Cassidy spent two weeks, uh, two, the first two weeks she was born, she spent the first two weeks in the hospital, and it was a really scary time. There was a lot going on there, and I remember that time thinking, God, what are you doing? And I could probably take a long time today and tell you story after story of times as a follower of Jesus that I have looked at God and said, God, are you even with me? God, do you even see what I'm going through? God, why are you letting this happen? Um, If you were alive, that was even odd to say, if you were alive uh, on September 11th, on 9-11 when that that happened and and the the terrorist uh, attacks here in America, you remember that day if you were alive then. Um, And uh, I remember right after that, if you watch the news, if you kind of remember that time on every single news channel, talk show, radio, it was all over the place. If there is a good God, then why would that God allow that to happen? If, if God is really good, then why does God allow evil and pain and suffering? You've asked that question before, right? We've all asked that question, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about in this series. Today we're kicking off a series called Why. And, and what we're going to do in this series is we're going to talk about how do you reconcile faith in a good God, faith in a God who, who loves us with the existence of evil, pain, and suffering. And not just evil, pain, and suffering that you see out there in the world, but evil, pain, and suffering that you see in your own life, because you see it in your life too, don't you? Right? How do you reconcile those two things? And, and these are such big questions. These are such deep waters. We need a guide. And so the guide over the next couple of weeks is a guy that maybe you've never heard of. A guy named Habakkuk. So if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to the book of Habakkuk. Now Habakkuk, <clears throat> excuse me, Habakkuk is a small book in the back of your Old uh, Testament. All right? Habakkuk's a small book in the back of your Old Testament. It's in what's called the Minor Prophets. All right, the reason it's called Minor isn't because the message isn't as important as the other ones. It's literally because the back parts of the Old Testament, those smaller prophetic books, they're smaller in length than, say, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those sort of things. They're shorter than the major prophets, so the Minor Prophets, their books are 
shorter. Habakkuk is three chapters long. This series is three weeks. We're going to go through this book. And literally, there is no other book in the Bible like the book of Habakkuk. And if you've never read it, you're going to see why instantly. There's no other book in the Bible like this book. If you've never read it, I had some people tell me this week, talk to some people uh, about where we're going with this series, and they said, I've never read this book, and you should read it. It's, pretty, it's fairly easy to understand, but there's no other book like it in the Old Testament, really in the entire Bible, Old or New Testament. Instead of me telling you why, I want to show you why. So if you've got Habakkuk 1 opened up on your phone or on your screen, I think it might show up on the slides here, on the screens rather, in just a second. Here's the very first verse. Let's just read this and stop. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Stop right there. See, what would happen is God would give prophets a revelation. God would give prophets a word. They would, they would see a vision of God. Here's what would happen with every single circumstance except Habakkuk. What happens is God would tell a prophet something, give him a revelation, some kind of vision, and then that prophet was supposed to go to the people and preach that vision to the people. They were supposed to go to the people and tell the people what they saw, what they heard. Habakkuk doesn't do that. Habakkuk has a vision of God. He gets an oracle, that's a, that's a vision, that's a revelation of God. Habakkuk gets a vision, a revelation of God, and he begins to have a conversation. Microphone check. There we go. I changed batteries right before this service. The devil has possessed my mic is what I say. The devil, the devil don't want you to hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah, brothers and sisters. All right. All right. That hurt. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the sermon because of what I just did to my voice. All right. So Habakkuk has a vision from God. I'm good. I'm using the hand mic. I got it up. I got it up. There we go. Hey, give it up for Brooks, everybody. Brooks uh, makes, the, makes, the ship, uh, makes the ship run. There we go. Finest looking man in the audio booth. All right. So, so Habakkuk has a vision of God, and he begins to talk to God, if you remember. Sees God, talks to God. Here's what he says. Habakkuk 1, 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you won't hear me? Or cry to you violence, and you won't save? God, how long am I going to look around at what I see, and you are not going to do anything? See, what happened is Habakkuk looked around at the, at the world that he was in, and he saw violence he saw the world it seems has walked away from God and not only had the world walked away from God according to Habakkuk but Habakkuk also, Habakkuk also looked at the people of God and this would have been the people of Judah he looks at the people of God and they don't even obey God they're not even listening to God Habakkuk thinks the entire world has turned away from God and so he looks at God he says God how long are you going to let this happen how long am I going to cry out to you and you are not going to do anything. Verse 3, why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you, look at this word, idly look at wrong. Idly. God, it seems like you're lazy. God, it seems like you're, you're, you're not doing anything. Are you even listening? How long are you going to make me watch this? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife, contention arise. So the law is paralyzed. God, your people are not listening to the Ten Commandments. Your people are not listening to what Moses wrote. It's paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. The wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And so Habakkuk asks, he says, God, listen, if you're good, then how long is this going to go on? God, if you are listening to us, God, if you're good, if you really love us, how long are you going to let this happen to us? God, 
Are you going to move at all? God, if you're good, why does the world look so bad? And we've all asked those questions, haven't we? We've all asked those questions at some point in our lives. God, if you're so good, then why does the world look so bad? And here's what we're going to do. We're going to answer that next week. But here's what I want to do today. What I want to do today is I want to go under the surface of what Habakkuk is doing here. I want to go under the surface of what Habakkuk is doing when he asks God, when he goes to God, says, God, listen, if you're so good, why is the world so bad? God, if you're so good, why is my life not going the way that I thought it would? My marriage, my job, my fill in the blank. God, if you're good, why is this bad? I want to go under the surface of what Habakkuk is doing here because what he's doing, here's a prophet who has real doubts, real fears, Real questions, and you may wonder whether or not you can even bring those to God. Because people come to me from time to time, and here's what they say. Mark, I've got questions, and I know that God's upset that I've got questions. Mark, I've got doubts about my faith. I've got doubts about some things in the Bible. Mark, I've got doubts, and I know that God's disappointed with my doubts. I, I know that God is upset because I've got questions. Mark, or people say this. Mark, I know we're not supposed to trust God. I mean, we're not supposed to question God. And I know that God's upset with me because I've got questions. And my question is, where did you hear that? Where did you hear that questions are bad? Where did you hear that doubts are bad? Who told you that your questions and your doubts and fears that you have about God and the way that God works in the world, who told you those are bad? Because I want you to know, God is not threatened by your questions. God is not threatened by your doubts. God's not threatened by your fears. In fact, what God does is God welcomes our questions, our doubts, and our fears. And so what I want us to see today is I want you to see today how your questions about God, how your doubts may be about God's work in your life, how, how the fears that you have about the world and how God works or what you don't see happening in your life from God, I want you to see today those don't cancel out your relationship with God. Your doubts don't threaten God. In fact, what God does is God welcomes your questions and your doubts and your fears. God has big shoulders. Did you know that? And so God welcomes your doubts. God welcomes your questions. God welcomes your fears. What God wants is God wants us to be real with him. But see, the only way that we can be real with God is to have a real relationship with God. The only way that we can be real with God is to have a real relationship with God. See, sometimes we talk about having a personal relationship with God. And a lot of times when we talk about having a personal relationship with God, what I'm afraid of is the only thing that we think is, oh, that means that I know God. Personal, it means that I know God. Yeah, I know, I know God. But listen, that's not what we mean when we say personal. To, to have a personal relationship with somebody is deeper than simply saying that you know them. How many people know that the most personal relationships you have in your life are the most honest relationships you have in your life, right? The more personal you are with somebody, the more honest you are. The more personal you are with somebody, the, the deeper you know them. You can be real with them. You can be raw with them in a way that you can't with just somebody that you know casually. 
See, Elena and I, Elena, my wife, Elena and I have a level of honesty and transparency that I don't have with somebody that I just have a casual relationship with. Why? Because our relationship is personal. So when I bring that in, to have a personal relationship with God, listen, having a personal relationship with God doesn't mean that God is some far-off deity running the universe and I'm trying to obey him so he doesn't take me out. Having a personal relationship with God doesn't mean that it's once a week, that it's Sunday only. It doesn't mean that I walk in and I'm wearing the Sunday mask. Having a personal relationship with God means that I know God, means that I can be honest with God, means that I can talk to God. See, the thing about Habakkuk is Habakkuk knew God. Habakkuk knew God. Habakkuk didn't know God simply at an intellectual level. God wasn't simply an idea to Habakkuk. God was a real person that you could talk to, to Habakkuk. And you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus says this in John 15. I believe it will be on the screen. John 15, verse 15. Jesus says this. No longer do I call you servants. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. See, you may work somewhere and you know the boss, but do you have a personal relationship with the boss or do you just say hi when you're walking through the hallway? Because if they don't share their secrets with you, if they don't open up to you, if you're not sharing your life with them, you have a business relationship, but you may not have a personal relationship. Some, listen to this. Do you know Jesus as a friend or as a boss? Because here's the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is that you and I aren't accepted by God based on our performance or our obedience. We're accepted by God. We're loved by God because of the obedience of another in our place. And now because of what Jesus has done for us, God is our father. Jesus is our friend. And the spirit is our comforter. And they all say to us, I love you this morning. And they all say to us, listen, I saved you when you didn't have it all together. Do you think it threatens me that you don't now? I saved you when you had doubts, questions, and fears. Do you think those doubts, questions, and fears caused me to run away from you now? No, God wants a real relationship with us. So, so what that means is that our questions don't have to drive us from God. So the questions that we have don't have to drive us away from God. See, here's the thing. When Habakkuk comes to God and says, God, how long are we going to go through this? How long are you going to sit in heaven and you're not going to do anything? Habakkuk is not putting God in his place. Do you understand that? Habakkuk is not putting God in his place. Look at me. We don't put God in his place, right? I hear people say every once in a while, listen, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to ask God some questions. He's got to answer me some questions. Listen, when you get to heaven, your first response will be worship, not putting God on the witness stand. Amen? We don't put God in his place. God is God by himself. So, so when we talk about questioning God, when we talk about bringing our doubts and our questions and our fears to God, there is a way to do that. So how do you do that? How do you question God? Well, see, if you're going to question God, the first thing you've got to re re realize is this. You've got to know who you're talking to. If you're going to question God, first thing, we have to know who we're talking to. And what we need to know is that we're not talking to somebody who's our equal. Amen? We're not on equal playing ground with God. 
We don't know as much as he does. We don't have the insights that he does. God says, my ways are not your ways. We are not talking to equals when we are talking to God. We are talking to our heavenly Father. Imagine it. Imagine it as, as a little child that goes to his parents, grandparents, guardian, whatever it might be. And they're going to their parents, their grandparents, their guardian, not to put them in place, but they have questions and they genuinely want to know the answer. They want to know how this works. They want to know what's going on. So, so to realize that I'm not in, on equal terms with God, that God is God and I'm just a person, means that God is infinite and I'm finite. So there's love here. There's reverence here. And what that does, if we're going to question God, what that does, once I realize, listen, I'm not on equal playing ground with God. I need to realize who I'm talking to. What that then does is it puts us in a position of listening rather than telling. Puts us in a position of listening rather than telling. Because listen, Summit, you need to know God is alive and God is still speaking today. Do you know that? God is still speaking today. God speaks through his word. God speaks through other people. God speaks through nature. God speaks through dreams. God speaks through visions. God can speak to us in any number of ways. And you might be thinking this, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Well, are you letting him talk? Sometimes God don't talk to us because we don't give him a word in edgewise. We're just always talking. We're always yelling. We're always complaining. And God's in heaven saying, listen, I'd talk if you'd shut up for a second. So, so it puts us in a position of listening rather than talking. God, I want to listen to what you're saying to me. God, what are you saying to me? Because I'm listening to you. And then finally, what that does is it puts us in the place where we need to realize that we need to be willing to accept and trust the answer that God gives because it probably won't be something that we expect. So if I'm listening to God speak, then I need to be willing to trust and accept the answer that God gives to me because it may not be the answer that I expect. You ever asked God to do something and God did the opposite of what you asked him? Anybody? Hello? See, here's a couple things you need to know that I need to tell you about Habakkuk. We have no idea how long it took for God to answer, but we know God did. We don't know if Habakkuk waited a week. We don't know if, if Habakkuk waited a month or a year. So what that means is asking God, built into it, built into asking God is waiting for God to respond. But listen, while we're waiting, God is working because God is building our faith, building our trust. But when God answers, you need to be prepared. He's probably going to say something or do something you didn't expect him to do. That's exactly what happens in verse 5 when God answers. Look at it. The Lord answers. Look among the nations. God is talking now. Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded. Watch this. For I am doing a work in your day that you would not believe if I told you. Stop right there. Here's what Habakkuk thought. Habakkuk thought God wasn't working. And God says, listen, I've been working the whole time. Just because you don't see God working some, it doesn't mean he's not working. Amen? God does his best work behind the scenes. So, so just because it looks like the enemy is winning doesn't mean that he is. Just because you feel like everything's falling apart doesn't mean that it is. Just because it looks like God isn't moving or it looks like God isn't listening doesn't mean that he's actually working the whole time. Because when it comes to God's activity in the world, we don't know what we don't know. 
We don't know everything that God is doing because God tells Habakkuk exactly what he's been doing, what he's going to do in the next verse. Verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, or your Bible might say the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves and on and on. Stop right there. Here's what you need to know. God just told Habakkuk, listen, I am going to judge my people because of their sin. And the people I'm going to use to do that are the Babylonians. Here's why that's a big deal. In Habakkuk's day, there was nobody meaner, nobody more violent, nobody more sinful, no people that worshiped more idols, nobody further from God than the Babylonians. And God just said, I'm going to use people that don't even know me, don't even want anything to do with me. I'm going to use them to accomplish my will. See, y'all are amen, and Habakkuk says, well, that don't make no sense either. Habakkuk says this. We'll see it next week. Habakkuk goes back to God and says, whoa, 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 wait a second. How can a holy and perfect God use sinful people? That's next week, so you need to come back for that. That's next week. That's called a tease is what that is, right? We're going to answer that next week. But don't miss that God wasn't threatened by Habakkuk's question. Instead, God God draws near to Habakkuk and answers him. God doesn't judge Habakkuk. God begins a conversation with Habakkuk. He says, listen, if you want to know, here, I'm going to let you in on what I'm doing. And they begin to have a conversation. If that's true for Habakkuk, that's true for us. You might be asking God, God, why did you let my marriage fail? I was praying. God, why did I lose my job? I needed that job. God, why did you let my family be torn apart by addiction? God, why did you let this happen? God, why didn't you stop this? And people have questions like that, and they say, listen, Mark, I shouldn't even give voice to those questions. I know that God is mad about those questions. If I really trusted God, I wouldn't have any questions like that at all. As if doubts and fears and questions are a sign of spiritual immaturity. It's not. Listen, spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is asking those questions, but living in the tension of not having an answer, but trusting in the goodness and faithfulness of God. Do you understand that? Let me say that again. Spiritual maturity is asking those questions, but living in the tension of not having an answer but trusting in the goodness and faithfulness of God. Church, I need you to hear this. Ours is a faith of mystery and tension. Is it not? It is. Ours is a faith of mystery and tension. There's tension. It's Graduate Sunday. There's tension in God. What is your will for my life? Do you know why there's tension? He hasn't told you, but he has one. There's tension and mystery in God works everything together for the good, but what I'm in right now doesn't look good. Do you understand? There's tension. There's mystery. Now, here's why we struggle with that. We're Americans. And we tend to not like tension and mystery. We tend to like God the way that we like our sitcoms and TV shows. In 30 minutes, can all the problems be solved and everyone laughs and hugs? Right In a minute or less, no, mention, no mystery, no tension. Give me all 
of the answers. And consequently, what happens is this. Consequently, what's happened is a lot of people see that, and so we try to take the mystery away. We try to take the tension away from our faith, away from the things of God. And now there are people who think that they have answers for every single thing that God does, every single thing about God. We can easily explain it. And as the pastor of this church, I just need you to be aware, to beware of anyone who thinks they have God figured out. You understand? You need to beware of anybody who thinks that they have God figured out. God is infinite, and we're finite. Listen, look at me. If you think, think, think of it this way. Do you know what we know about God? Do you know what we know about God? Only what he's told us. Deuteronomy says the secret things belong to the Lord. See, God has things that he's not even told us, and even what he has told us, we only know it in part. So, so our questions don't have to drive us from God. Instead, we can meet God in our questions. We can meet God in our doubts. We can meet God in our fears. Two of my favorite stories in the Bible are about doubting. First one's in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, Jesus is resurrected. He's already appeared to all of the apostles except for one. His name's Thomas. We even give this guy a name. Does anybody know what his name is, nickname? Doubting Thomas. The bro doubted one time, and we labeled him for the rest of eternity. Give the dude a break. Doubting Thomas, right? So he appears to all the disciples. Thomas hears about it. Listen, I'm not going to believe unless I see him, unless I touch, his, touch the wound in his side, and I see the scars in his hands and feet. A week later, John says, Jesus makes Thomas wait seven whole days. A week later, the disciples are in an upper room. Jesus all of a sudden appears to him, and what does Jesus do? Jesus begins to yell at Thomas and calls angels and fire down from heaven on him, right? No. Jesus walks right up to Thomas, and here's what he says. Thomas, if you need to touch the wound in my side, go ahead. Thomas, if you need to touch the, the scars in my hands and feet so you'll believe, go ahead. And then Jesus says this, Thomas, don't doubt. Believe. And in that moment, Thomas believed. But watch this. The birthplace of his faith was doubt. In the Gospel of Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 9, there's a man who has a son who's possessed by a demon. And the, and the dad walks up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you can help us, please do something. And Jesus looks at the dad and he says, if I can do something, all things are possible for him who believes. And then that dad gives one of the most beautiful and honest prayers anybody's ever prayed. Do you know what he says? He looks at Jesus and he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And what does Jesus do? Heals his son. Listen, if you can talk to God like that, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help the parts of me that are struggling to buy into what you're saying. Jesus, I, I believe, but can you help the part of me? It's just having a hard time getting there. God, I believe that you're a provider, but can you help the part of me that's not there yet? God, I believe that you're a healer, but can you help the part of me that's scared you won't heal? God, I believe that you've got a, a plan for me, but can you help the part of me that thinks you're not going to tell me, not going to lead me? God, I believe that you love me, but can you help the part of me that's just so filled with insecurity? God, I believe... 
but help my unbelief. Church, I am telling you, if you can begin to get that real with God, you will experience the presence of God in your life in ways you will never experience it as long as God is some deity off in the distance that we meet for one hour on a Sunday. God wants us to be real with him, to bring our doubts and our fears and our questions, our whole hearts to him. And sometimes your heart sounds like, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to say, as the pastor of this church, there, there will always be room in this church for people who doubt. Amen? There will always be room for people in this church who doubt. Always. If you are here, if you are here, and you're not a Christian, maybe you're an atheist, agnostic, you're just trying to figure the whole Jesus thing out, you have a lot of questions. Look at me. This church is a safe place for you. You're not asking any question right now that either somebody in this church or me, we haven't asked at one time or we're asking right now. And what I want to invite you to do is I want to invite you just to keep coming and asking those questions. Let's figure this out together, right? For our church, I want you to know you can bring your friends who are not Christians. You can bring your friends that don't believe. And I will never say anything on this stage to belittle them. I will never say anything on this stage that, may, that gives the idea that we think we're superior to other people. Because the only thing that saved us is grace. And but for the grace of God go us. Amen? Amen? We're not Christians because we're smart, intelligent, have it all figured out. We're saved by the grace of God, period. So you can bring your friends. That's the reason why almost every single sermon, I, there's a point when I begin to address people that don't believe in God. When I begin to address people who have questions about God. And I'm looking at the crowd knowing all of y'all saved. But I'm trying to tell you, you can bring friends like that to this church. And it's okay for them to come. Amen? If you're a Christian and you have doubts and, que and questions and fears. Like, why did my marriage fail? I was doing everything right. And my marriage still failed. Why are my kids going this, this way? Because I was praying for my kids. Why did I lose my job? Why did my family lose their house? Why did this happen? Because I was doing this. I want you to know this is a safe place to walk that out. And there will always be room here. Because, because sometimes the only thing that we can say is, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. So right now, I just want to take a moment and pray and ask God to meet us right here in that place. Maybe that's the cry of your heart today. Maybe that's the cry of your heart today. It's just, God, I believe, but can you help my unbelief? Can you help the parts of me that are having a hard time understanding, that are having a hard time coming to you? God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I just come to you right now. And Jesus, you are our hope and you are our friend and the Spirit is our comforter, and God is our Father. And every one of those carries with it this idea, you're not far off, you're right in our lives. You're right in the mess, you're right in the mix. God, you're, you're not off in the galaxy somewhere watching things play out. You are getting your hands dirty in the details of our lives. And God, I, I know that there are people in the room right now and they are exactly where Habakkuk was. In that place of God, why? God, where are you? God, what, what is happening? 
And so maybe they've never known how to express that. And maybe they felt like they couldn't even talk to you because that's how they felt. And, and for the first time, maybe this morning, they're beginning to learn how to verbalize what's happening in their heart by simply praying along with that father. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. Right now, just with every single head bowed, with every eye closed, you might be walking through something today and God spoke to you. If that is your prayer, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. If that's your prayer, would you just put your hand up in the air right now? Just put your hand up right now. There's five, six hands on on the left right here in the center. Hands are going up. If that's you, there's several hands over here to my right. God, I believe, but help, help my unbelief. Anybody else? Just put your hand up high in the air. There's another one right there. Amen. 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 God, I I just love that you are not threatened by this. I love that you didn't judge Habakkuk, but you drew him in. And I love that, God, even right now, this is an invitation for us. And, And so, God, right now, just help us to be real and honest with our Heavenly Father. Help us to experience the the comfort of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Jesus, you're a friend, and just like a friend, we need to be with you and talk to you and experience you. God, we believe. Could you help our unbelief? And right there at that place of unbelief that something new would be born. Right there at the place of unbelief, something beautiful would begin to rise. God, we would meet you right there. And Father, for every person that's here today and, and they're not a Christian or they don't even know, they don't even know if they are, to be honest. And it might be because of doubts and fears and and questions. God, I pray that you would meet us right here today. Meet them right here today. And just right here in this moment, if you're here today and you, you've never given your life to Jesus or, or you don't know God the way that we've talked about this morning, you believe that there's a God, but he's really far away. You don't know God as Father. Jesus is a friend. The Spirit is a comforter. So how do I do that? Do I have to learn a lot? Do I have to clean myself up and and become something different than I am. No, it's just like the song that we've always sang, you've probably heard of. You need to come to God just as you are. Come to Jesus just as I am. And if you come to God today just as you are, you can begin a relationship with Him, and He will walk with you and never leave you and never forsake you. But you need to come to Him first, and if you need to do that, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. I invite you to pray this prayer with me for every person that's here today and wants to begin a relationship with God. Just pray this prayer right there where you're at. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you for the first time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. God, thank you for coming back from the dead for me. I give my life to you right now for the first time. Help me to live for you starting today. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. If you just prayed that prayer to begin a relationship with Jesus, or today you want to be saved, just put your hand in the air right now so that I can just pray for you and celebrate with you. Anybody that just prayed that prayer or would say, Mark, today I need to begin a relationship with God. If that's you, put your hand up right now. Just go ahead and do it. Just put it up high. If anybody needs to make that decision today. 